Daryl Glenn describes himself as, quote, an unapologetic Christian constitutional conservative pro-life Second Amendment loving American. Senator Michael Bennett is running for his second full term. Our questions don't focus on policy per se, but were intended to help reveal the character of each candidate. Because he is the challenger, Glenn's answers will be featured first. We started with what each would fight for on behalf of Colorado. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat unaffiliated. Three things that people are passionate about is the defense of this country. The second thing is energy independence. And the third thing is dealing with our debt, fiscal responsibility. Those three things, if we have a good plan, uh, and I believe Colorado is the bedrock. One of my other taglines is I believe it's time for Colorado to lead. Because when you think about what we bring to the table with those questions, we should be leading the nation on how developing a pathway forward. When you think about our military presence, we actually, I'm, I'm an Air Force Academy grad, so we, we, we train people from the very beginning. We also have people, and you can use Fort Carson, that are at the tip of the spear. They're actually out there fighting the mission. We have a, uh, almost a $25 million, a billion dollar investment on an annual basis when it comes to our military. Every community is touched by that impact. And it's a patriotic thing that what we do as Coloradans in the defense of this country is extremely important. When you think about energy independence, we have all forms of energy that are out here, and I think that we should allow the market to kind of dictate that. That's extremely important. Uh, we should not have regulations that are basically picking winners and losers. And we need to come up with a long-term plan so that they become sustainable, so that the market actually takes over. doesn't mean you shut anything down, but have a plan so that you actually become sustainable. And then when you start thinking about your debt, we're the home of the Taxpayer Bill of Rights of Tabor. We have a balanced budget. I don't understand why the entire Colorado dele delegation is not in lockstep supporting a balanced budget amendment, because we have to function with that. And we can do that, and we start controlling our fiscal priorities, then this country is really going to take off. Uh, to give you three, I think do, fixing that immigration problem is one. Uh, figuring out how we invest as a country and as a state in infrastructure, I think, is another important one. And continuing to move us um, toward energy independence and to cleaner forms of energy is another. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump have strong but differing views on immigration. We asked how they would tackle the issue if the new president is not from their party. Your job is to fulfill your constitutional requirements, so it doesn't matter who the president is if you're doing your job. Your job is to lay out a plan that looks at what's in the best interest of this country. Those things that we agree on right now, uh, and I would believe that 70%, if you would actually do polling on this, people are concerned about people that are wanting to come to this country and do us harm and being able to control that. So we need to come up with a plan to, to stop that. We already have laws on the books. If you have laws on the books, you have one of two options. You either follow the law or re repeal it. So why don't we deal with that? And the third thing is we already have a legal way to access this country and become a citizen. So why don't we use technology? Why don't we take a look and really break that down and find out what the problems are? and see if there's a way to be that can be more efficient because when we do those things again it opens up the door for future conversations you absolutely work with them but you can do it in a way without attacking their character you can do it in a way that shows that you're putting the interest of the country first and when you do that you can find some common ground the plan that i just laid out it shouldn't matter who's there and i think that if you treat people with dignity and respect that's what my faith teaches me to do you're able to get some things done
Well, I hope he won't be elected president, in part because of his position on that issue. I mean, his his position on um, on immigration in this country is not a traditional Republican position, and to say nothing of Democrats or independents, it's a radical view of the situation. It doesn't relate to what anybody here in Colorado, not anybody, but most people in Colorado, believe. And I think that the bipartisan work that's already been done in the Senate. And I give huge credit to the Republicans who sat in that room for eight months with me and some other Democrats, John McCain, Jeff Flake, Marco Rubio, and Lindsey Graham, who negotiated that bill, knowing exactly what the base of their party would say about it, knowing exactly what Ted Cruz would say about it, probably not knowing what Trump would ultimately say about it. But I think that bill um, not only helps fix the immigration program, it's the only a bill that's passed either House of Congress that has real border security in it, doubles the number of border security agents that we have, creates real internal security, which we need in this country, but also creates a pathway for citizenship for the 11 million people that are here that um, that has been unresolved and does it in a way that that is fair to the people that have come here um, in a lawful way. So one of the really you know, unfortunate parts of this campaign has been, um, it has been Trump's um, calling on banning entire religions from the country. His answer to immigration is build a wall. And I advise, I advise him to take a trip with John McCain to visit the southern border of Arizona and see the feasibility of that um, and, and to deport 11 million people from this country. We are a nation uh, uh, that, 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 that is committed to the rule of law and committed to uh, the fact that we are a nation of immigrants, and we've got to make sure we've got an immigration system that's lawful and that works for people. And I and I believe that the the Senate bill will form the basis for the bipartisan work that will happen after we're done. I'll work with anybody, and I think I've got a record that demonstrates that. I I, um, I hope that uh, if he if he were elected president, I think that's unlikely, but if he if he is. Uh, I hope he'll radically shift his views on these immigration questions. Both reference accomplishments and voting records while campaigning. We wanted to know the one thing voters should know about them that they don't already know. I am really having a great time on this campaign. I could keep doing this indefinitely. You know, it's, it's one of these things where it is truly a privilege to be able to go out and talk to people. Uh, I believe that God has placed me in a position to be able to go out, talk to people, and articulate a vision on how to help people. And I feel blessed to be able to do that. I've met so many great, wonderful people uh, on this campaign. I have more people laying hands and praying over this campaign because they finally believe that they have somebody that's going to stand up and represent them. And what that does for me, it just energizes me each and every day. And then I get to go home and I get to look at my family and realize that, you know, at the end of the day, you want to be judged on did you do a good job? And I think we're doing that. One of the great privileges of being in this job has been traveling all over the state of Colorado, meeting with people uh, in the Eastern Plains, uh, in the metro area, and on the Front Range and on the West Slope. And uh, I'll put um, my travel schedule up against anybody who's a statewide elected official, including people that don't have to go back to D.C. and spend half the time. So the, the real joy in my job is meeting with Coloradans in their communities and listening to what they're doing to figure out how to invent the future and secure the future for their families. And those conversations have informed my work in, um, in D.C., and I look forward to continuing to see people um, in the coming years. We also wanted to know about the one mistake over the course of their political career they learned the most from. I think that you learn that you can always be a better listener. 
and, and that's the one thing uh, that you can always improve upon that because sometimes it's about um, how you are talking over people. And I think you need to do a better job listening. It, we're so quick because most people in politics are like type A. I'm a type A personality. So you already want to jump in there with a solution. You have to do a better job holding yourself back, taking that time to be able to listen to how your message is actually resonating and whether or not it's resonating or not. i use an example. We met a, a, a great pastor. gave me probably the best life lesson out there. And he talked about uh, when you're trying to talk to people, especially in underserved communities, when you're going in there, think about it being in a home. And they invite you into the entryway. They're, everybody's polite to you, and they make you feel comfortable. But you know that you've really made a connection, and you know that they really have, or have substantive conversation with you when they invite you back into the kitchen. Because that's when everybody is just, they're yucking it up, they're happy, they're talking, and you bring down those barriers. And when you do that, that's when you can really have thoughtful conversations and learn from one another. We tend to stop at the entryway. We need to work harder to be able to get invited to the kitchen. I think that the um, the way the health care bill was passed in a in a way that was you know in the end not bipartisan. We can blame each other for that, but I think. The way that it was passed has made it more difficult for us to be able to continue to work on health care, which um, is still a work in progress. I'm not talking about the health care bill. I'm talking about health care in America. You know, we had big problems before the health care bill passed. We have big problems after, it's, after it passed. And I do think the way that it was passed has made it harder to have bipartisan efforts succeed in the wake of that bill. In asking listeners what issue they would like to have the candidates answer, jobs in the economy came up. So what is your plan to increase jobs? When you're looking at jobs, you have to figure out why we aren't growing. And when you're talking to employers, and I think it's important to make sure that we create an environment for employers, employees to talk and learn from one another. But employers are going to tell you regulatory reform is really hampering them. When you start thinking about Issues like access to capital with Dodd-Frank, when you start thinking about uh, the Affordable Care Act and the impact of that, when you start thinking about EPA regulations that are shutting down jobs, those are major barriers. But we also need to go into those underserved areas and have those discussions because sometimes it's education. Not being able to have educational choice opportunities so that you are learning those skills that you need. Not putting more of an emphasis on vocational skills are getting in the way. Not having safe communities is also having an impact on whether or not you can have a job or a business in an underserved area to try to help lift that organization. Not being able to address criminal justice reform with people that have made a mistake But we want to make sure that when they actually leave, we really break down the recidivism rate by making sure that we train them up so that they can be reintegrated back into society and be successful. These are critical issues that we must address. I think that the most important thing we can do as an economy is make sure that we've got the most innovative economy in the world because it's companies that are started next week and the week after that that are the ones that are going to drive wages up and are going to create jobs. The legacy firms that have become so efficient are not. There are other things we can do. Fix the immigration system we were talking about earlier, which would help elevate wages for everybody. Um, 
have an infrastructure program and invest in our infrastructure. We're now investing in our infrastructure less than we have in the last 50 years. And, and when I'm in, you know, some really tough town halls where people are calling me names and not, not agreeing with anything that I'm saying, one of the things I say is, you know, all of what you're saying may be true, but um, here's what I do know. Because of our politics in D.C. and something that's gone wrong there, we don't have the decency right now to even maintain the assets and infrastructure, the roads and bridges that our parents and grandparents built for us, much less build the infrastructure our kids are going to need in the 21st century. So I think that's a big piece of it as, as well. And our commitment to energy independence is something that will bring uh, jobs as well. We did finally get some good news, and I think it's worth mentioning that a couple of weeks ago, um, there was a report that last year, finally, middle-class income in America grew by over five percentage points. And if you were in the lowest rung of income earners in the country, it went up by over 7 percent. Um, that's the first time in a really long time that we've seen middle-class income rise. There's more for us to do because even though we live in a state we're lucky. It's got the fourth lowest unemployment rate in America. But um, I meet people all the time who are continuing to struggle with the cost of housing, the cost of health care, the cost of college, the cost of early childhood education. There's not a government answer to every one of those, but recognizing that we need an economy that's driving wages up is an important part of people being able to afford those kinds of things to move their families ahead. Our closing question deals with what legacy each would want to leave. In the case of Gerald Glenn, if he is elected to the Senate, and Michael Bennett, if he is re-elected for a second term. Restoring trust, that is so important. You know, you can talk about policies, but when you're actually out there talking to people, uh, the theme behind that is they've lost their faith in government. Uh, People, like I said, have gone through, they will say whatever they need to to get into a position of authority, and then they let you down. Uh, We're humans. We fail. Um, But if the one thing that people can say at the end of the day after I have served is that we put our trust in him and he did what he said he was going to do. It's by having a relationship with people, being willing to talk to them, look them in the eye and ask them, what are those things that you're concerned about? And then standing up and fighting for those principles and not only just talking about it, but showing measurable outcomes that show that you're moving in that direction. And then coming home and having further discussions about that. That's how you do it. It's a true relationship. Well, I hope there'll be more than one thing, but I guess I'd answer it two ways. I think our office has been more successful than almost any other office of navigating the dysfunction in Washington, D.C., and producing results from Col- for Colorado, whether it's the Farm Bill or uh, the work we've done on uh, solar and wind tax credits or lifting the ban on crude oil exports from the United States. So we've been successful at navigating the dysfunction. I'd like to go back to help lead us out of the dysfunction. I think Washington is in in many ways a mess and has decoupled from the priorities of people in Colorado and across the country. I think my bipartisan track record over the last seven years has set me up um, in a position to do that, and and that's why I'd go back. I would say that one of the real privileges of the last four years was working with four Democrats and four Republicans on the immigration bill in the Senate, which we passed with almost 68 votes. That's an important thing to get done for Colorado, and I hope that that'll get taken up um, early on when we get back. That's incumbent Democratic U.S. Senator Michael Bennett and Republican El Paso County Commissioner Daryl Glenn. Ballots for the 2016 election will be mailed to registered voters starting the week of October 17th. 